0: The following is a Tony Lozano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And now, Free Kicks. Free Kicks with Illinois Youth Soccer Association's Director of Coaching, Adam Howarth and Rick Kemper. Here we are with another episode of Free Kicks. I am Rick Kemper coming to you live from Mount Prospect, Illinois. Adam is coming to you live from...
1: Arlington Heights, Illinois.
0: All right, so in the office... So, yes. So when you do the show in the office, uh, do you do you have like a door to your office? Can you close the door?
1: I do not. So I actually have to go down to our classroom and uh, kind of put myself in a little space here. So, yeah, it's actually quite nice and quiet.
0: So i got lots of space. And nobody comes and bugs you while you're down there?
1: Oh, people always bug me. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> people always bug me. That's, that's the problem with bugging in an office, right? That's but true. um but, yeah, uh, I can I can normally get away with it. People don't get in here till uh, a little bit before 10 o'clock, so it's a good time to get it done.
0: It does pay to work with a bunch of slackers, doesn't it? <laughs>
1: it does. <Okay>. It does. <laughs> All
0: right, I want to start it off a little bit differently this week. I want to do the foreign tradition first. Here we go. And now, explain that foreign tradition, please. Because, uh, you know, I've been watching the Premier League for uh, about five years or so, and the last – a uh, week and a half, two weeks. We didn't do a show last week because I was in New York, but uh, the last couple of weeks, there have been about a 1,000 <laughs> Premier League games. And yes. I, I, every year at this time, around holiday time, most, uh, you know, I worked in the media business for years. Uh, you end up getting guest hosts in there, and, you know, people start taking vacations, and and people are not uh, not going to the office as much. But in soccer, in the Premier League, for some reason, it's time to have a million games. Why is that?
1: I tell you, this is, to me, this is the best time of the year because obviously it's Christmas, but we it's have the time most off. wonderful time of the year. <laughs> exactly. We have time off, and we get to be able to watch all of these games. But I, the, the history goes back quite a long time, I guess. Uh, Boxing Day, which is the day after Christmas, that's typically when all the kind of the games start. So they have 10 games. It's always that day after Christmas. And supposedly what it kind of goes back to World War One when there was a truce uh, between England and Germany and they actually came out and played a soccer game. I don't know if you heard about
0: that. Yes, but, uh, yes.
1: And so that's kind of where the tradition started. And then the Boxing Day game kind of,
0: Oh, you just faded out there for a second.
1: With T V and different Yeah. And then obviously with T V and different things as well, we ended up adding more games. So then it turned into Boxing Day, then sometimes then there was games on New Year's Day. And they just squeeze a bunch of games in. And if there's a if it works around a weekend on a Saturday you even get an extra game in. So they could play on the 23rd, which I think some of the teams are, and then they're also playing on the 26th. So crazy from a soccer playing standpoint in right. terms of recovery, but from a fan, this is fantastic.
0: <laughs> well, that, that's true. That is true. But what was, so what was the deal this past week? That, like on Tuesday and Wednesday, they had a full slate of games.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of that is just to kind of catch up. So sometimes they do that because of the international breaks. So when they don't have those Saturday games because of the international breaks, they kind of have to play a little bit of catch up.
0: Okay. Well, there you go. I th- I'm sure I'm not the only one who wondered about that. And again, I feel like I shouldn't be complaining. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Uh, but I just, I just wondered. All right. Uh, let's uh, talk about what's happening on the pitch.
1: Premier League football. What's happening
0: on the pitch? So your favorite team, Chelsea, had quite an interesting week, didn't they?
1: They certainly did. Yeah, like you mentioned uh, as we chatted in the notes there, the lowest of the lows in terms of losing to Wolves. And then, my goodness, what a victory against Man City. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, and David Luiz is probably – From villain to hero within a week. Crazy.
0: Isn't that something? I mean, that's the thing about this league. Uh, And especially if you're one of the top six teams. You know, anybody can beat anybody at any time. And uh, Man City looked like they were never going to lose. And in comes Chelsea coming off actually two losses in a row, right?
1: That's right. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And and looking like they were struggling, especially defensively, going up against a team that has scored a hundred and thousand goals this yep. year, and stopped them and shut them out. <laughs>
1: I know I, I, it, it doesn't make any sense, and this is why you know we do this predictor score game uh, each week in the office here. I am I am. Dead last. I, I can't. I don't know what's going on. And I, I, I like to think of myself as a pretty knowledgeable guy, but I can't pick scores to save my life. I just don't know who's going to win. Even that game, as much as I love Chelsea, I picked a draw. That's the first time I picked Chelsea to draw a game all season.
0: And you no, felt like picking. you were going on a limb by picking exactly. To draw. <laughs> I thought. I think
1: you know, I'd be okay. And then, and then they do that. So, it's that's the beauty of the league. You know, we talk about this all the time, in each of the podcasts, but that.
0: So so, what is it that you? I mean, wh- I don't know what could happen. Why do you think that? Uh, why do you think that it did happen? I mean, what what I know? Uh, Aguero was not playing for Man City, and he is deadly uh, as a striker. But it's not like yeah. they have any uh, <laughs> lack of other great players up front. Right, right.
1: Well, I think sorry, sorry, and Guardiola. Uh, have quite a bit of a history. I know they respect each other a great deal. Chelsea's coach, Sarri, and Guardiola, Man City's coach. Um, and actually, I, I'll give Sarri a lot of credit. He gave – he was really doing a good job of really kind of making sure his team was, oh, we're not that good. Yeah. I don't know if we're yeah, going to win. Yeah, I saw some
0: of that little cry job, that little exactly. job. <laughs>
1: So I, I, I give him a lot of credit for that. So he kind of, I think, may have, you know, won the won the battle off the field a little bit. And maybe Pep, maybe the team went in.
0: A little uh, overconfident, perhaps. Yeah. Chelsea team, don't get me
1: wrong. I mean, they've got some great world-class players. When Hazard decides he wants to play, and that was a game he wanted to play in, you know, he can change games. And... Uh, and that's
0: why it ended up happening. Yeah, that's true. I, I really enjoyed that. Now, let's, let's talk about, so here we are in week 16. Um, we have Liverpool at the top of the table for, for the first time in many weeks. Um, but really, basically, we have the same top six that we always have. You've got, uh, right. maybe in different orders, but we got Liverpool, Man City, Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal. And Manu, Manu's back up into the top six, um, right? Is there any chance for any other team to ever break into that top six?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, they've talked a little bit about Everton kind of being that next team that could potentially jump in, but with the with the financial clout that those six teams have, it's very very difficult for teams to jump in. I saw something. I even just saw something uh, the other day on Twitter about how. Bournemouth would be a top of the division if there wasn't those top six teams. And and that's probably true. It gives you an idea of where there is definitely um, a division between the six and then the rest. But then, like you said, like we said, any given day, you could still lose to those bottom teams, you know, that next uh, 14 teams.
0: Sure, because it just happened uh, to Chelsea this week. <laughs> they just... it,
1: Yeah, exactly. They lost to Wolverhampton Wanderers, exactly. So anything can happen. And so I think there is at times when uh, teams are playing well, especially like Man City, you know, they, they seem to just kind of steamroll over teams and uh, that's the financial clout that they have in terms of the players they've got. Um, but what's great about the league is that there's always something to play for. You've got
0: yeah, the, the European League. League, and
1: then you've got other teams trying to work to yeah. push them exactly, and then some of them get into the European places. So all, there's always something to play for, and that's what's great about it.
0: Uh, let's also talk about the bottom of the table because uh, because the top of the table often is not as interesting. Um, although this year we got a race, there's no question about oh, yeah. it. We got a race. Yep. Um uh, But the bottom of the table is always fascinating because there are, you know maybe seven or eight teams that could be in danger of relegation. Right now you got Huddersfield and Fulham and Southampton are down there. Those three teams. And by the way, Southampton, new coach, what can you tell us about the new coach? Yeah. Don't know too much about him to be honest. Um, uh, but
1: he's a German coach came in. Um, I think he's going to try to see if he can kind of switch and change things around a little bit. Um, But, uh, you know, he had a good result that first one in terms of uh, the game against Cardiff. And, uh, you know, in terms of how it was, uh, you know, even though they lost the game, it seemed like they were playing better. And I think that's the biggest thing, I think trying to get that confidence back with that team. And I think um, I don't know. I've heard some comparisons to Klopp a little bit about how he is. Um, I don't know if he's quite like quite like the hugging German, like (laughs) like Jürgen was running onto the field there last week. Yeah, how about that?
0: He came onto the field during the game. I've never seen that before.
1: Tell you, he 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 just completely changes the landscape of what managers can and cannot do. When he did that, I was just like laughing my head off. I'm like, who does this? This well, is just should he get
0: a card or something for that? Or uh, I mean, I love the guy. Don't get me wrong. He's one of the reasons I root for Liverpool. Um, but uh, you know, I've never seen a coach go on the field before <laughs> during a game like that. He went all the way into the middle of the pitch and was like high-fiving his players. Yeah, I
1: know, I know. He's
0: hugging the goalie. That yeah,
1: was yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. It's crazy. Now, they are saying he's going to get a fine. I haven't seen what that fine's going to be, but he will get fined for some type of, you know, whether it's bringing the game into disrepute. That seems to be a common thing. Yeah. Whether or not he did that, but I think in a lot of ways it's a good thing, but I can also see, hey, managers can't be doing that all the time.
0: No, um, no, no. I mean, I love his enthusiasm. I love the fact that as a German, he has such a strong need to hug that he cannot be contained. On the sideline. (laughs) During a game he's gonna hug somebody and in that particular moment he had to run all the way out in the field and hug him. Because if that if there's any way to describe Germans, that's the way to do it, because we're all kinda like that. Right, exactly. Very emotional. We're all very huggy, kissy, you know. That's just how we are. Funny. Yeah. It's just that's how we are. Yeah.
1: (sighs) And to be fair, the the Southampton
0: Oh, you cut out there for a second.
1: Paul Leipzig. He was actually, yeah, yeah, he's actually Austrian. So I do believe he's an Austrian manager, although he's been doing most of his managing of games in Germany. So uh, came over from Leipzig. So we'll see. We'll see how he does. I think. Uh,
0: Can I tell got... you a secret about Austrians and Germans? Go ahead. Uh, and this is some, uh, some. So you know, I my mother's from Austria. Um, my father lived in Austria. Uh, I, you know, also. Grew up in Germany myself. They're the same. <laughs> they're the same. <laughs> they speak the okay. same language. I'm... They're they're very similar. Uh, you never say that to an Austrian because they get super <laughs> offended by it. But I'm sure. sorry. It's true. That's funny. That's funny. That's great. That's
1: good to know, though. Yeah. So next time I meet an Austrian person, I know. I yeah, really yeah.
0: German. Be sure to say that. <laughs> Be sure, they love they love hearing that. All right. Before we uh, carry on here, I, I wanted to talk to you also a bit about the uh, the Newcastle game. I don't know if you saw that yesterday yeah. or on Sunday. I,
1: yeah, I did.
0: So in that game, uh, Deandre Yedlin got a red card, uh, the American player, and yep. and it was caused by a bad first touch, right? I mean, it was passed to him. He, he tried to, you know, touch it away from him. He, he touched it way too far away from him. It, he had no choice but to bring the guy down. It, well, I think it was a legitimate red card, don't you?
1: Yeah, I think he was right to send him off. Uh, the man, the, the referee there, um, he, he kind of, he put him, like you said, he put himself in a bad spot with that bad first touch. And then when he dragged him down, really the referee had no other choice.
0: But to me, that that is a symbi- uh, uh, symbolic of the difference between American players and the rest of the world. And we have, I think, uh, our athletes are just as good. You know, uh, we're fit. Um, you know, the, we have good shooters. We have, uh, you know, head ball specialists. But the thing that we really don't have in America is is that good first touch. Mm -hmm. As somebody who teaches soccer, do you agree or disagree with that?
1: I think, I think at times that there's some areas in age groups that we kind of struggle in. And I think the nature of the game, because of how dependent we are on winning all the time, it takes away from the smaller and the more important aspects like technique. Um, And those little promotion here i think that's what's really good about a lot of the new coaching courses uh, that u.s soccer's put through is it's a lot of playing where the kids are learning to play the game and kind of the technique is focused within just them playing soccer and when i look when i think about myself
0: crept out there for a second
1: didn't spend a massive amount of time yeah, I didn't spend a, ma- a massive amount of time when I was younger working on technique. I just played the game. And so I by playing more, saying. that's going to probably bring that technique out. And so whereas we sometimes I think we're, you know, and it's probably a fair statement that we see a lot of coaches in America with drills and people long lines and waiting to get the ball, let's let them play and get more touches. And so... Hopefully in the next 10 to 15 years we're going to see more kids playing soccer and not just being parts of drills.
0: Yeah, you know that I guess that is that is the difference because in basketball and in in baseball and football, you see kids out in the park just playing. Yeah. Uh, but soccer is uh, one of those activities that 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 they don't play as much. Now I'm starting to see it more than I used yeah. to see it, but uh
1: yeah, I agree. I mean, again, it's, it falls into this organized soccer area. You know, why can't kids just go out and play on their own? You know, that's the, the street soccer that we want kids to do. And I think if you speak to many coaches in America, certainly people in my positions throughout the States, that's going to say the same thing. We just want kids to play. And that's how they get better. So we're hoping that the those types of situations can get better by them just playing soccer in, in environments where, They don't have to have a coach and then they can get better.
0: So uh, one of the things I like to do is mention or just give kudos to the English announcers. I love watching the Premier League because I love the announcers. I love the way they use the language to describe things. And, you know, we're talking about first touch. Uh, There was an announcer this past weekend who described a first touch as sumptuous, (laughs) <laughs> it's sumptuous first touch, which is just a great word that you will absolutely never, ever hear in an American announcer, uh, which. So, again, a tip of my cap. Sumptuous is my new favorite word, and I'm going to be using it more often.
1: That's great. Well, in fact, there's a, one of the better announcers for the english premier league john champion he's just signed a contract to come over and be full time in the united states and actually do mls games
0: i saw that that's great
1: yeah so yeah which is great and he's really good i think he's one of the better ones too so he's going to be doing working with espn and uh so that's i think that's a very positive thing for for soccer here too and like you said he's going to be able to use those words like sumptuous <laughs> or tenacious and all kinds of different great ways of explaining things.
0: All right. Well, since we're talking about American soccer, let's play the jingle. here.
1: In this country, we call it Soccer Partner.
0: All right. So you're talking about the MLS and you're talking about uh, John Champion coming here. But uh, we have a new champion in the MLS, uh, Atlanta. Did you get a chance to see that game at all?
1: Yeah, I kind of watched the highlights. I didn't get to see all of it. It was right in the middle of uh, our ODP stuff going on this past weekend. But, uh, I mean, it seemed like Atlanta was definitely deserving of winning that game. Um, and what a great atmosphere. Seventy Over 70,000 people yeah, at the 73, game. Yeah,
0: 73,000 plus at the game. That, to me, that was the most impressive part of the game was how yes. big the crowd was because uh, – You know, we don't really see that here in Chicago, but I think the MLS is starting to catch on in America in other places on the West Coast, in the South, in the Southeast, you know, in the Northeast. For some reason, not so much here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely I mean, it's definitely here. We have a huge we have a huge soccer base in Chicago. There's no question. But I, I, in terms of Atlanta, I think what's being really kind of nice for them is and this is probably fair to say with their professional sports teams. They're pretty average for the True. most part. True. And uh, now they have a team. You know, uh, the owner uh, has invested a huge amount of money into some of these players and. Consequently, that investment has led to the team being pretty good. this is only their second year of existence, right? And they've already won the championship. So it gives you an idea of how far they've come in such a short period of time. Anytime you can get 73,000 people at a game, you're doing pretty good. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and that was true. an average and that was pretty much an average crowd for them. I mean, they were right. getting 70,000 for most of their game. So definitely worthy winners, maybe the start of a dynasty. Was it say in England a dynasty? Um, <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out.
0: You know what's what? Uh, uh, one of the reasons you kind of touched on this a little bit, but one of the reasons why uh, soccer has been embraced so much in Atlanta is that they haven't won a championship of any kind in twenty some years. Right. Right. So yeah that-, yeah, that that helps. I mean, I remember when the Chicago Sting. Got popular here in the early '80s. Um, it was the same thing that we had had nothing in Chicago yeah. for a very long time, um, and so we kind of coalesced around the winners. We're almost yeah. spoiled these days in Chicago with you know the Cubs, and now the Bears are good, and you know the Bulls won all those championships. Uh, so and the Blackhawks. So that could yeah. be part of it
1: and to be fair to the fire i mean even in their second year they ended up winning a championship so obviously it's been a little bit of a down you know a down few years here recently but at the beginning when they first started um and maybe i had some type of reflection with it where they were playing but they were getting good crowds they, they were winning yeah they did yeah. really well and everybody was behind them that's not to say that we're not behind them now
0: we just no i know we just
1: got, we got to make sure that uh uh, we start winning some games, though. I mean, that's the ultimately that's going to be the success for that group.
0: That does help. I mean, we got Schweinsteiger now, and Schweinsteiger yep. is, you know, obviously not in his prime anymore, but still a world class player. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's there are some building blocks there for the Chicago Fire. So hopefully, uh, they can uh, start drawing some more fans because uh, we certainly have a lot of uh, soccer fans in this area. Uh, let's no talk question. about one other uh, American player. I don't know if you caught this, but uh, you know who Josh Sargent is.
1: Yes, yes.
0: He is now with Werder Bremen in the Bundesliga, and he got he made his debut this past week. And in his first moments on the pitch, scored a goal. I think it was his first touch as yeah. a as a uh, <laughs> as a Bundesliga player. So that's right. You know there are there are some bright spots coming up for the Americans.
1: I agree. I I I think Josh Sargent's going to be a, a really pivotal player in the future for U.S. soccer. Um, he finds ways to score goals even in the World Cup when he was playing up with the U20s. He was able to bang in some goals as well for them. So um, he's going to be a big part of that U.S. national team moving forward. I really do think that. Um, he, he again i mean probably the easiest goal he'll score all all his career the ball was practically going in and he just heads it in there and uh but a great finish and a uh, great way to start your professional career two minutes in you know score scoring your professional debut so can't get much better than that
0: right hey, you, that's a good point i think i could have scored that one but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, i could have also missed it though let's not forget yeah. that i could have yeah. definitely missed it uh if you're trying to find uh This show, Free Kicks with Adam and Ricky, can find us on iTunes. We're on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn. There's an RSS feed over uh, at uh, the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. We're also on Spotify. And uh, before we get to what's going on at your office, which I do want to get to, we do have to do our quiz. We haven't done a quiz yet.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: So uh, this week I've decided, uh, because they beat your Chelsea team, that <laughs> it's time to do uh, Wolverhampton. All right, all right, have, do you know enough about them?
1: A little bit. In fact, my, my very first coach in England was a big Wolverhampton fan. So my very first soccer kit was gold and black. Really? So, yes. So there's pictures of me as a U9 playing in the gold and black of the Wolves.
0: Okay, well, there's some history there. Um, and we'll be, <laughs> we'll be delving into those colors here in just a bit. But first, how many times in the... So the Wolverhampton at one time was one of the powerhouses in, right. uh, in English uh, soccer. And in the 1950s, they won uh, a, a league title. So I'm, I'm actually giving away part of the answer, here. but how many times did they win the top flight league that decade in the 1950s? Was it zero, one, two, or three times?
1: Well, I know Billy Wright was the main guy there. He was the English uh, fullback that was the captain and did it. I'm going to go with three times.
0: That is Correct. 1953-54, uh, 57-58, and 58-59. So congratulations. Yep. You need to get two more correct to win the quiz. Okay. All right. The manager of the Wolves at the beginning of the 2003 season shared a name with one of the monkeys. Which one? Was it Mickey Dolenz, Davy Jones, Mike Nesmith, or Peter Tork?
1: I do remember him. He actually went to manage a few other teams as well. Davy Jones.
0: <laughs> God, <Doggone> it! <laughs> I thought I'd get you on that one. All right, that's two. <laughs> Very good. All right. What happened to the Wolves between 1983 and 1987? They a went from first division to fourth division. B played in different stadiums four years in a row while their new stadium was being built. C, had new coaches every year. D, changed their color briefly from yellow to green.
1: I think all of those things could have happened because I know that was the time when they was under receivership and they were really struggling. Oh, I'm going to go with change their manager every year.
0: I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You got that wrong. They went from first division to fourth division. Really? In four years. It's not good. That's not good. No. But obviously they've made their way back. Yep. All right. So you mentioned this earlier. Uh, The Wolves play in yellow and black. Why do they play in yellow and black? Is it because, A, the town motto is Out of darkness cometh light, and the gold represents light. Is it B, Wolverhampton is the bumblebee capital of England? (laughs) Is it C, uh, the, the coat of arms, which goes back to medieval times of Wolverhampton, features yellow and black? Or is it D, the wolves of Wolverhampton have yellow and black eyes?
1: I'm going to go with A because there was some darkness and some different things there. So I'm going to go with A.
0: That is correct. Town motto, out of darkness, cometh light. Because it was such an yes. industrial town that everything was black because yeah. of the coal. Um, and uh, and so, you know, they had to clean up the city and out of darkness, cometh light. That's uh, So you have passed this week's quiz. Ooh, okay. But we've got one more question just to see right. if you get a, a, a better grade or not. Which Star Wars actor is a big fan of Wolverhampton? Is it A, Harrison Ford, B, Mark Hamill, C, Peter Mayu who played Chewbacca, or D, Billy D. Williams?
1: I'm going to go with Chewbacca.
0: I'm sorry. That's incorrect. It's Mark Hamill. Really? Yeah. American. And the reason why uh, he became a big fan is somebody uh, from Wolverhampton about uh, 20-some years ago wrote him a letter saying something nice and uh, then somebody asked him, you know, what team does he root for? And he said Wolverhampton, just because he had gotten a nice letter from somebody who lived there, <laughs> and and they and the team heard about it and brought him to England and got him on the field and everything. And now he actually is a huge fan of Wolverhampton. That's funny. Very strange funny. story. Yeah, that is. That is. All right. So tell us what's going on at the uh, Illinois Youth Soccer Association.
1: Yeah, so um, kind of getting ready, obviously, for the, the Christmas time here. So things are slowing down a little bit, but we actually have a, a Coaches Connection meeting on Wednesday. So we've got some some people coming in. Uh, Brian McBride will talk a little bit about uh, his new company and then also talk with uh, Connor Marlin, who works with a, a camera company as well. And then uh, also a little update on coaching education things going on there and Then i'm actually down to southern illinois down there give them a little bit of an update as to what's going on in our office and uh, also give them some information on coaching education uh things that are coming up and then really after the christmas break is when we'll kind of start up again we've got some some d license courses uh we've been lucky enough to be able to we're going to be able to host a couple of c license courses in the summer we're excited about that and uh yeah it's gonna as soon as the new year hits it's gonna be full go again uh, we go through and then we're we're pushing on with our odp program that's uh every weekend now we've got this weekend There'll be a, all the teams up in rockford and also in Schomburg uh, as they evaluate and then as soon as they get back from break they're going to be heading to indianapolis for some uh friendly games against the state of indiana and kentucky so Yeah, we'll have that little bit of time off over Christmas, but then uh, we'll be busy and then getting ready for the convention. So it's going to be crazy stuff.
0: Well, sounds good. But it sounds like you are going to be having some time to watch some TV over the next couple of weeks. So we have to play this jingle for you. Now time for Adam's Weekend Soccer TV Tip. Tip, tip, tip. Okay, so you'll be sitting there. You've got uh, a schedule of games coming up here. What should we be looking for?
1: So yeah, so I think the the best one coming up this weekend is going to be a great game. This is probably one of the biggest rivalries in uh, the Premier League. It's going to be Sunday, uh, be a ten o'clock kick off our time. Liverpool versus Man United should be an absolute cracker. And then the following week, you've got there's just too many too many games to keep hold of. You've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday and then the day after Christmas on Wednesday. So I'm sure we'll talk about that down the road. But we've got a lot of games coming up here in the next few weeks.
0: Okay, sounds good. I'll be watching that game for sure. And Liverpool, see if their uh, their reign atop the league lasts more than one week. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. know uh, Jose Mourinho is going to be uh, motivated uh, in that game. If you'd like to know more about Adam and Rick, you can follow us on Twitter, FK with Adam and Rick, and also Facebook. Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. You can check out our day jobs. I'm the publisher of Eckhart's Press. We've got a big event coming up on December 22nd. I'll tell you more about that next week. I'm also the co-host of the Minutia Men podcast with David Stern. Adam is the technical director and director of coaching for the Illinois Youth Soccer Association. The executive producer of this podcast is Tony Lasano of OPI Productions. We're distributed by Ed Silla of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And we will be back again next week with another episode of Free Kicks. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio
1: Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes,
0: Stitcher Radio,
1: and at RadioMisfits.com.
0: Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions.
1: Tony, can you shut up?
0: This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Our new favorite place, Uranus, Missouri. The top trenders of 2018. The German Chocolate Highway. My Brush with Monkey Davy Jones. And our interview with James Finn Garner, New York Times bestselling author. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. <laughs> Tony Lasano Podcast and Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. RadioMisfits.com.